You're listening to Culture Camp. Tune in each week to hear from an amazing lineup of athletes, CEOs, founders, and more who have created winning cultures in their organization. Each will share the secrets to creating a culture in your business that will lead you to thrive. Are you ready? Here's your host, Jason Haugen. All right, welcome back to another episode of Culture Camp. I got a really, really exciting episode for you guys today. I've been looking forward to this one for a really long time because I've done, you know, I didn't know Ken before I got introduced to him and he's just an unbelievable human being. I've looked a lot into him and he's done some awesome things. Wrote an amazing book, which we're going to talk about. And everybody, I want to introduce you to Mr. Ken Rusk. Ken, thank you for being on the show. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Did you have an unbelievable resume like pedigree resume whatever you know bio it's it's awesome and i'm just going to read it real quick um because it's just that powerful i don't want to get it wrong when i when i got it yesterday <laughs> i was like wow this this dude unbelievable um ken is a best selling author entrepreneur and blue collar advocate that proves there is no degree needed to achieve comfort peace and freedom ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction he never went into college instead he made goals planned and worked hard for 30 years now, Ken is a very successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. Ken specializes in mentoring and has coached hundreds of young people in areas such as goal setting, life visualization, career paths, and sound financial planning. He is passionate about helping people achieve their dreams regardless of their educational background or past. And in Ken's book, Blue Collar Cash, he has shares his insights for over 30 years of working in blue collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Like that's that's amazing, Ken. That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> so I want to kind of just dive into, you know, you and your story and just have a fantastic conversation about what I believe is very important because there's often times where people have this like self-belief that they can't do things if they don't go to college. They can't do things if, you know, they're quote unquote blue collar. And, and I love the fact that you have created a mission and kind of a niche, if you will, about those individuals and helping you know, across the, you know, across America and in the world. So I'm excited to see and, you know, hear your story of kind of how that came to, um, came to be. Well, again, thank you. You know, it's, it's interesting because when I was 15 years old, uh, I had always had odd jobs, you know, paper route and worked at a bowling alley, worked at for a bakery. And I, I, you know, for me, it was always about, you could earn some money, then you could go get what you wanted. I had four brothers and we didn't have a lot of money in our household. So if we wanted something, we had to go earn our way to getting it. And um, it was an interesting concept. I could work, I could do some things for somebody else. They would give me some money and then I could spend that on something that I wanted, right? American dream. Right. So when I was 15, I was, in my high school shared a fence with a uh, industrial park. And we would cut through this hole in the fence after school, go through this industrial park and go hang out at the, at the carryout at, at the end of the block. And I just remember walking through these businesses and there was like, you know, multiple businesses there. And they're always hustle and bustle and guys running around and dump trucks and, you know, backhoes and all this kind of stuff that young kids liked. And, you know. It, it, for me, it was like, all right, I need a job like anybody else. I wanted my first car. I wanted you know, take my girlfriend out for pizza or go bowling with my buddies, whatever it was. So I went in and said, hey, what do you guys do? And I knew someone that worked there and they said, hey, well, we dig ditches. And I said, well, I can do that. You know, so um, I started digging ditches in the summertime. And then in the wintertime, I would work in the office when I was in school. Uh, so I kind of learned the front and the back half of the house, as they say. And right. um when I got to be uh, 18 years old, it was either, okay, go to college or what else? And 
not everybody went to college back then. Only about half of us did. So, you know, they came to me and they said, hey, we want to open branch offices of this company. And you know both sides of it. You've been here three or four years. So you want to take a crack at that. So I literally moved for six months to Columbus and in Cincinnati and in Chicago and Pennsylvania opened up these companies from scratch. And then, you know, you live out of a suitcase for a few years and that gets old. So right. I finally moved to Toledo in 1986. Uh, we opened the company with six people and we have nearly 200 of them today. So it's, uh, it's been quite, quite a ride. Wow. That's amazing. And I love that story because there's quite often you don't really get the opportunity to be, you know, if you like be in the trenches and then be on the other side, you know, as a, as a leader, like there, you know, so you see often disconnects between like corporate or management and then, you know, the frontline worker or, you know, those producers, right? Like, especially in like, you know, we have a bunch of dealerships and in our dealerships, it's always like, oh, like, you don't know how sales works because you've never been a salesperson. Or you don't know how finance works because you've never been this, right? But you have the opportunity to, to work you know, with everybody and kind of gain that respect. And obviously that, you know, with, with the people and your bosses and, you know, with the company, everything like that. And then, you know, they promoted you and you got to open up a bunch of uh, different offices and travel the country. Like, I, I think that's super cool. How, how important do you think that aspect was to the success that you've had, you know, opening up those stores, knowing what to do, and then really honestly gaining the trust with your, with your team? Well, yeah, I, I mean, you can't ever ask somebody to do something that you haven't, at least tried or are willing to do yourself. And um, I, I think that's really important because, you know, you've walked that walk, okay? You're not just some mid-level manager who's coming in from some or, un, other organization who's trying to tell the local people how to do what they do. We, we grew this family together. So, you know, I, I still have people that were of the original six. I still have some of those people here 36 years later. Wow. And um, wow. we've all been on this journey together. So I, I think it's, it's really important to, to be able to do those things, to, to know the front and the back and all of it. Um, especially if, you know, people say, oh, you're lucky or there's an entrepreneur guy. Well, I don't even know what that means. I mean, here's a piece of paper and a crayon, draw entrepreneur, right? You, you can't. It's right. just a vague term. But I think the characteristics that are behind that, things like courage and initiative and faith and persistence and resilience and vision and simplicity and generosity and all that kind of stuff, I think those things are all within every one of us. We just have to have a reason right. for them to come out. And for me, it was always, well, what do I want my life to look like? Am I in control of creating that? And if so, then I'm going to go do that. And when that happens, Jason, all these entrepreneurial characteristics just come out of all of us. So right. know what you want out of life, see it really clearly, and then, and then go get it. When you very first started working there, did you see the bigger picture or were you just kind of like, hey, I'm going to you know, work and maybe something will happen? Well, I, I had the opportunity for a couple of fortunate things to happen. So I moonlighted a lot. So I was also a landscaper, even though I was a ditch digger, I was also a landscaper. And people asked me to do that for them on weekends and whatnot. And I'll, I'll never forget the day. I was I had two or three jobs going at the same time. And for me, that that scared the hell out of me because I wanted I was a perfectionist. I wanted it to be right. So I left a couple of my buddies that I was paying five bucks an hour to um, and they were happy to make the money. It was great. 
but I had learned how people were billing. So I left them working on one job while I went to work on another job. And, you know, I was paying them $5 an hour while I was making 10 off of what they were doing. Right. It's just a right. simple, it's every business does that, right? You, you have employees and you make money and you charge and whatever. And I had things to pay like gas and my truck bill and everything else. So, but I thought, wow, this is really cool. If I can get, if I can get a couple of guys to work with me who are happy making the money they're making, and then I can charge more for what they're making because I have a business to run and a business to pay for. That's a pretty cool formula. And so I right. thought if I could just replicate that over and over and over and over, that would be a really neat thing. And so I, I just, I started doing it. But again, I think the biggest thing for me and for anyone who wants to be this mysterious entrepreneur, whatever that is, is right. you have to have a reason why you're doing this. Like you have to have a, a an end game or a goal or a reward or 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 a nirvana, if you will, that you're chasing right. to make you want to work that hard. For sure. When you when you were opening up, you know, a bunch of those different um, offices. How old were you? Curious. I was 18. Man, that's that's like. <laughs> how are you able to gain the trust with individuals? Because I'm guessing you were probably one of the younger people that worked there. That yeah. you generally, made, you know, how, how did you gain that trust and start building those like teams and have all that success at a, such a young age? Because I started my first business when I was 18 and it was a battle and nobody looked at me like I was anybody because I was so young. And still to this day, like, you know, people, I'm 29 and, you know, our, our company does, you know, it's not huge, but we do over a hundred million dollars a year. And people still don't look at me like I'm, you know, much more than just a 29 year old kid. How were you able to have that success at 18 and like create that mindset? Cause that's, that's kind of unheard of. Well, first off, thank you for asking that question. You're probably one of the first people that's ever asked me that out of all the podcasts that I've been on. And it's been a lot. So, <laughs> and I think you asked it because you've experienced it. So you, you might, sure. you might know half of the answer I'm about to give you but, or maybe all of it, but I have to tell you, the scariest part for me was when I was building out the office buildings because I had to go there and find an office building and then I had to build it out and not myself, but I had to hire the plumbing contractors and the electrical contractors and all that. I was really good at using the phone and, and marketing and doing those kinds of things. So when I hired the employees, I was good at doing it. So they got respect for me quickly because they could see I could do it. You know, I wasn't right. just hiring them to do something I couldn't do. So the, the employee side was actually the easier side. Standing in front wow. of a, I was probably, um, I'm five, five, eight, maybe back then I was 150 pounds maybe. And um, standing in front of a, a union contractor in Chicago in January, who's 6'5", 270, and telling him where the plumbing should go, that's the scary part right there because right. they're looking at me like, who the hell are you? But I had done it, so I knew how to lay it out, and um, that was that was the frightening part. But um, getting the employees to rock and roll that because I had done it, and I'm assuming you have done it, um, they gain right. respect for you quickly if you, if they see you you know how to do something and do it well. No, I love that, and that's such good advice for someone who you know is listening to this that is young because like the best leaders lead, right? Like they don't bark orders, they don't like they kind of lead from the front. You know, I kind of always say. And so you being able to do that and prove that you can do those things that, you know, it's not like a dictatorship, it's a team effort, you know, I'm here to help and I'm here to win. 
and then, you know, translating that confidence, right? Like it's not fake it until you make it. It's always some people like have confidence until you feel comfortable. And, you know, that's powerful because a lot of people, even young, old, in the middle, whatever, don't have that, you know, almost like they have self-awareness that, hey, this is what I need to be doing. And it's, it's awesome that it came to you at such a young age and then you'd be able to scale you know rather quickly at 18 at, at 18 years old like that's why i'm trying like it's that's crazy that's awesome that you've been able to do that i think i think when you're thrown to the wolves it's a lot you know you you, you get a lot quicker of an education than right than than if you're if you're just doing it you know in some generic setting but you know i think the other thing that that's important is you know you're one person and so am i and I, I'm never going to get what I want for myself or for my what my company wants or needs until everyone else in the building gets what they want first. And I think that's really important for people to understand. This is an input-output scenario when you're running a company. This is th- right. this is something that it's very organic, and you you want other people to win because if they're winning, you're winning, right? So right. You know, the word entrepreneur is a word that isn't used very often, but entrepreneur is used all the time. Well, right. there's a lot more entrepreneurs in this world than entrepreneurs. And for those of you, the difference is simple. An entrepreneur believes that they own their division within a company that you own. Uh, they, they're running their division or their business or their section or their department like it's their own. And they're benefiting from that, even though they don't own the company. And um right. For me, it was it was a race to see how fast I could surround myself with entrepreneurs who maybe didn't want to take the risk of buying. I think I have forty two vehicles right now. Okay, um, I, wow. I, they didn't want to take the risk of bo- buying that and, and borrowing the money and de- getting the insurance and all the liability and the sleepless nights and all that. But they really wanted to hustle. So we created an environment here where you can feel like an owner, you can feel like you're doing all those things. You're just not ultimately that person, but you're still winning. And um, right. to anyone out there who wants to lead, surround yourself with entrepreneurs as fast as you can. Make yourself as as least relevant as you can to the day-to-day so you can drive the vision. And um, you're going to have that company go way further and way farther than you could ever do it yourself. I love this. And this is such a, like, I, I love, I like, I love everything you're saying because I think that that is where companies go from like good to great. Like you ever read the book, good to great. Like that is when the companies like go, I, I feel like to the next level. But one question I have, which I get asked this a lot is how do you give up that control and trust that entrepreneur? Because, you know, especially from starting at such a young, you know, small team, I'll say, and growing and growing and growing it. Obviously, every time that you grow and scale, like you have to kind of give off a little bit of your responsibilities and everything that you need. That's how you, obviously you can't do everything all day long. There's only so much of you. How, how do you, how's the handoff? How do you do that? How do you trust that person to, to be able to be that entrepreneur? And, you know, how do you find that? Because everybody that I talk to is like, oh, I don't know if I trust them. I can't give up control and control and control. And I feel like quite often when I meet with individuals, because I you know, consult with different teams, it's the top has to have so much control, they hit their ceiling, right? They can only do so much. Like It's like LeBron James. Like If he averages 30 points a game, and he's the only one playing the game, how many points are you going to score? You know, 30 points a game. Right. And so how have you been able to do that? And like how, 
I'm just I'm just interested in how how you develop those entrepreneurs. Well, that that's another great question, and I can tell you there's two there's there's two answers to that. The first one is you have to let go of the ego that you are everything. Okay, if you go home at night and tell your wife or your husband, um, "Wow, you should have seen me today, honey. I fixed this and I repaired that and I yelled at this and I told them that and I barked this out and I I created that and and I drove everything and I answered everyone's question." If that's what drives your ego, then stay there. You're going to be working 90 right. hours a week and you're going to be tired as hell, but you just live in that world. That's fine. That's fine. Right. But for me, if you line me up in a parking lot with all 200 of my of, of my team team here, I wouldn't want anyone to be able to pick me out as the boss of that team, right? So right. I have to, I, you know, you have to let that go first. And for me, since I wasn't this big, you know, overbearing person, that was easy for me to do. The other thing is, wow. I knew exactly what the people around me were working for. This guy wanted a new pickup truck and this guy wanted to pay off his visa card. And that guy wanted to get his visa or his license straightened out so he could he could go you know, rent an apartment. And this person wanted to go, you know, spend two weeks in Key West every winter. So I knew exactly what they wanted. And I knew precisely how they were getting there. Like I, I knew every week that guy was $64 closer to getting the down payment on his pickup truck. And I knew that right. this person was, you know, a, a couple of thousand miles away from getting the free plane ticket and also saving the money towards going to Key West. And I knew that person was working their way through the court system to get his driver's license straightened out so that he could get his apartment. If you don't know that, you'll never trust them. Right. But if you got people that are in it to win it right next to you, shoulder to shoulder, and you know that they want something out of this for themselves, and it doesn't have to be material things. It's just they're trying to better their life. You know, they're trying to they're trying to create that put that that puzzle or that picture that they call their own personal life. If, right. if they're close to you and you know what they're after, they're, they want to win for themselves first and you second. And that's fine. I mean, right. entrepreneurs, by definition, should be a little bit selfish, not at the detriment of others, but self-ish, focused on them and them first and your company second. And if you can find that, and they're out there, they're everywhere. You just have to light them up and, 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 and find out how that works. Um, right for each individual, but when you do, yeah, you've really got something there. No, this is this is amazing, and I, and I want to encourage anybody listening to this: go back and listen to that last minute, because if you sh like, I I love what you're saying. I literally just got um, back from speaking to a bunch of teachers for a high school, and I was talking about like you, you know all, all these students are here and all you're here, but like why? Well, it's not you know has it deeper? Obviously, it's probably going to be deeper than education. Like why? And if people are working, you know, in your, in your sense, like if you, if you got a team, like why are they working for you? Like, what, what are they trying to accomplish? Because that's the, that's where you pour the fuel, right? Like a lot of times we don't really know where to pour the fuel. So we're just kind of shotgun approaching and kind of motivating every motivating everybody, how we almost, you know, how we feel motivated, it's, you know? And so I think it's so powerful. I was talking with a guy who owned a cookie company that, now, uh, you know, with the drinks and the cookies, it's real popular, like like a crumble, but it wasn't that company. I don't know if, you know, anybody yeah. knows what I'm talking about. And he was like, oh, man, I'm having a hard time with the team. And, you know, I got 90 employees and there are a lot of them are part-time and a lot of them are high school students. I'm like, then own that. 
you know, but why are they working for you? Are they trying to buy a skateboard? Are they trying to buy a season pass in the winter? Right. (laughs) You know, for snowboarding, like, why are they working for you? And then pour the fuel on, why are they working for you? And he was like, that makes total sense. Like I, you know, instead of being frustrated with them, help motivate them because they're trying to accomplish something like people, people generally don't just come to work for money. Right. And I'm sure you found this out. It's, it's for something and what the, what the value that money is going to bring them, what they're going to buy, what the experience they're going to have, you know, different things like that. So what you're saying is so, so powerful. Again, I hope, you know, anybody's listening to this goes back and listen to that because that's so big. Well, you know what, um, what, what, what most, what most managers, I think where they fall short is, you know, they use the word goal way too often without knowing what it really means. Okay. I mean, a a goal is one of the most overused words in the English language. You know, is it a goal? I'm kicking a goal. It's a field goal. It's a soccer goal is what, I mean, hockey goal. Is it something I want to go after? What is it? Right. So what, what we do is specifically in our office is we break that goal down to precisely what it takes to get there. Like, here's your start date. You need, you know, again, $36 a week for two years. And then when that happens, you're going to make that happen. You, you go to the payroll clerk, you get the money put away in an account that you can't touch. You've signed it. Everybody knows about it because we have this huge board in the hallway with these neon markers that people will write their goals up on the board. Everybody else knows it. It's between the bathrooms, so everybody sees it multiple times a day. That's it's, so cool. It's shared, and then it's celebrated, and then as soon as it's celebrated, okay, now what? Now what are you after? What's next? And and I think that's the difference because so many people go home and go, yeah, I've got my team pretty focused, and uh, they all have goals, and I think we're in pretty good shape. But yet none of those things ever happen because they remain in a place I call dreamland or wishland or hopeland. They never get to the right. practical, mechanical, am I actually going to do it part. Right. And um, I think that's really huge for people out there to understand that there's a mile of bad road between just saying goal and having it functional. And I think that's what people need to understand is to get it to that functional place. Right. It's just like, you know, if I'm building a sports team and the goal is a championship, well, how are we going to do that? There's a lot of things that got to happen. Right. But I don't think that people like in your position care. Like I, I would, I would say generally a lot of, you know, either CEOs, business owners, manage, like a lot of people don't take the time to do that. But I mean, you're telling me that it's, you know, I, I mean, I 100% believe, like, I love, like, this is a great conversation. Like, I'm having super, a lot of fun because, like, I feel like we're on the same wavelength here. But I don't feel like there's a lot of people that, that care enough to back figure it of how they're going to actually accomplish their goal. They might say, hey, what do you want? Well, I want a new car. Okay, hey, did you get a new, like, you know, hey, one step closer to a car, one step closer to a car, one step closer to a car. But what does that mean? Yeah. Okay, today we're, you know, 20 bucks closer and tomorrow we're 40 bucks, like, you know, like I love that you back figure, you can almost re- reverse engineer the goal to how you actually accomplish it. And then you help each other, you know, individuals step by step, but then you have a board by the bathroom that has their goal. Like, I think that's so cool and a really, really cool environment though. And then you celebrate the wins no matter what it is. Cause obviously people want different things Sure. and they have different goals, you know, goals or they have different, you know, needs and desires and wants in life, but you celebrate it. And I think that's so cool. Cause 
And, 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 and I got a question. Is that with everybody in your company or is that just with like salespeople or is that with production people? Like how, who do you do that with? Well, there's, there's 200 people. And on, on that board, there's probably 70 to hundred goals at any one time. You know, some people are new, it. some people, uh, they don't necessarily get it. Um, but we're always pushing the idea and they see other people winning and they see other people advancing and they see other people, um, getting recognized. So then they eventually make their way towards that, that, that board and, and, and get on it. And the greatest part about it is Jason is once they've accomplished one or maybe two, get the hell out of their way. Cause now they're going to accomplish six more. And, and here's the really right. cool thing. Remember when I talked to you a bit of a, a bit ago about, about surrounding yourself with entrepreneurs, where do you think mm-hmm. you find the entrepreneurs from? It's from that board. Right. Because if someone's willing to say, I can get what I want with and through Ken's company for myself, and I'm going to put it out for all to see, and I'm going to win, and I'm going to win, and I'm going to win, isn't that the people that you want to surround yourself with to, to drive your company forward? So, for sure. So when someone says, I, I guess from my point, if a manager says, like, like you were just using the example, you know, maybe they don't take the time to back figure that or whatever, well, then they're not seeing what's in it for them to make that happen. Because, you know, in our case, our company, when we started doing this years ago, we started hitting these levels that I couldn't believe. And now, you know, tens of millions of dollars later, we're, we're driving this thing to the point where, again, I make myself irrelevant to the process and just stay on top and kind of look down on the whole thing and place myself where I need to. And it's a much better way to work because I can go Monday here and Tuesday there and Wednesday here and Thursday there and nothing gets missed. You know what I mean? Right. Because I don't have a specific um, job to do. You know, um, I, I can I can kind of kind of direct and watch these things happen and allow these people to win and watch them win and celebrate their winning, which ultimately drives your company a lot farther forward. And again, don't forget, I also have my hopes and goals and dreams and win. I also have solid things that I want to accomplish. So I can't get to those places until these folks win first. So to that manager, I would say, well, what are you after? Why are you doing this? Right. If you're not willing to, uh, if you're not willing to back figure what your people are there for, what are you in it for, right? Right. Now, I, I love that because it's it's so so important, especially to you know know that you like you're what that what you're expecting your team to chase their dreams that they know you're chasing your dreams because then everybody's chasing dreams, right? It's not just you feeling resentful or them feeling resentful to like it's everybody's doing the same things and, and, and that's a unified culture of winning. Like, they, like no matter what the win is, if it's a win to you and you, you know, wanted to buy a, you know, a, you know, a Lego set for your kid or something, then that's on the board. Like you won, like you accomplished the goal. You know, we back figured whatever that is, like a win's a win. And I love that it's expected from, from, you know, kind of everybody, you know, obviously it's talked about, but you know, people can choose to, you know, do what they do, but I love that. And then it gives you the opportunity to do what you want to do and accomplish your dreams, which I know a big one was, was this book. Um, I, 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 I want to get into that because it is something I've actually looked into. I'm about a, a few people approach me about uh, writing a book and publishing and all that good stuff. And I really don't know much about it. Um, you know, Randy Garner connected us and I feel like he's a good, a good person, but 
you know, why, you know, I guess two part question is, you know, one, why, you know, specifically, you know, about blue collar individuals. And then, you know, what it, was your dream always to write a book? Okay. So no, I, I never thought I was going to write a book. Um, my, my daughter, when she was 12, she actually got, she got ill with a pretty serious disease. And that was a really scary, you know, five or six years. And, and it, you never forget about it. It's still there. She's, she's good now. She's healthy now, but that, that's for, good to hear. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Thank you for, for years, her, her mother and I were, you know, scared to death. Right. But so you have a lot of time to think when you're sitting in doctor's offices and oncology rooms and you're sitting in all these places you don't want to be and um, right. ultrasounds and ugh, all the poking and prodding and everything. So uh. you have a lot of time to think about what life is and what's important to life. And I just said to myself, if I was going to write her a long letter, what would it be about? Like, what should she be chasing in life? What should we all be chasing in life? What's important? And I kept coming back to these three words called comfort, peace and freedom. Which, which basically, I couldn't get them out of my head, Jason. They were like a triangle of words that depended upon each other for their very existence. And it's right. it, what it really is, is every one of us has our own personal nirvana, our own, oh my God, if I could live life like this, that would be so cool. You know, if I could have this or that or live this way or do these things or have that style or live in a place like this, that would be awesome. And, you know, it's not all about, you know, 15 cars and Maggie yachts and mansions and, you know, being a rap star and all that other stuff. It's about what right. you want for you. What would make you feel that, wow, I look in the mirror, I've got comfort, peace and freedom, baby. I've got, I've got the world licked, right? I've got it. So right. That just kept coming back to me and it wouldn't go away. So I started writing stories to, um, about what we had done here with coaching with people and, and people that had been here a long time and the things they like they had accomplished. And I started writing stories about other people that I had run into that had really insanely cool ideas for how they wanted to live. Like, like the grass cutter from Minnesota. He, I don't even know his name. I met him at a club med and I don't even know the guy's name, but right. he spent three months every year going from one club med to another and the other nine months kicking ass being a landscaper. And so wow. that was his version of, of how he wanted to live and more power to you. Go do it. So everyone has their own version of this. And, and um, you know, the blue collar part of it is kind of half of it. You know, I wanted people to understand that not only should you know what you want your life to look like, like I just explained, you know, draw it out, put it on a poster, hang it on the wall. Right. But I wanted people also to understand that there are many ways to get there. And, you know, a military career, a college degree, uh, apprenticeship, um, you know, going to a trade school, just working right out of high school. There's lots of ways to get to where you want to go in life. And, and, and my, my, it's somewhat, some people look at me sideways when I say this, but sometimes it's not always what you do for a living that's important, but what you do with what you do for a living that matters. And that's powerful. And yeah. so, so for me being a ditch digger, right? It afforded me a lot of ways to do a lot of cool things in my life. And so I decided to make a kick-ass culture around ditch digging. <laughs> I decided right. to build a really cool company, have great, cool people working here, do really cool things together. And oh, by the way, we happen to dig ditches for a living, right? So right. I, I think that's the secret. You know, you don't have to always be, you know, doing something that's super sexy as long as you're winning at the picture of your life that you want to create, right? 
because right. nobody ever rolled up into my driveway and saw my cars or my house or the things that I've accomplished and said, wow, what degree do you have? I mean, right. they've all said, how did you grind this life out? And I'm happy to tell them that, right? Like, like you, like you've done. So right. we, we just have to be, we just have to be cognizant of the fact that we don't live to work. We work so that we can then live. And so I'm interested in what the live is. What's that look like? Right. Uh, it's, it's so important because quite often we, we, we don't, right? Like we don't, I mean, case, it's kind of you know, case in point. I was just talking with all these teachers today and, you know, I was, you know, teachers love them, right? Like they, they're, they're shaping America. Sure. Um, you know, this is a private school and, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're awesome. It's an awesome, I actually went there my entire life, like 14 years, if you can believe from kindergarten all the way to graduate or preschool nice. to graduation. Um, but it's it's it, they have a unique opportunity to to help shape America. But teachers just give and give and give and give and give. And by the time that bell rings, like they generally don't have a lot else to give, right? Because it's just so intense. There's so many students, so much going on. But like, what do they do to fill their energy up? What do they do to fill their cup up? You know, they're giving all day long. And in some people, giving fills them up. It's kind of crazy. Like the more that they serve, the more that fills them up. And they just, that's their energy index, right? Sure. But some people just give and give and give and give, and they don't have anything to fill up, which is so important what you're saying, because there's so many people that work tirelessly, which is, you know, you got to hustle. And I'm sure you did. You've sacrificed oh, yeah. everything. You sacrificed with your family, <clears throat> all that good stuff. But like, we have to fill the tank back up. Like cars aren't infinite. My, I have, you know, I have a Tesla. I, it's not infinite charge. Like it's not, there's not infinite gas. There's like, Maybe I think these, even these, you know, these crazy nuclear aircraft carriers are like a 25 or 30 year. They got a, you know, life expectancy or whatever it is. Sure. Like you got to eventually fill up. And I think that's so important that you make a point to that, um, you know, teaching people that then also having people do that in your company. That that's really unique. I don't know if I've heard of that, you know, that before. Like it, it's because people, the business owners are kind of selfish. Like, you know, they want everybody focusing on the company. And said, like, hey, you know, you got, you know, when you go home or something, focus on you. How, how, you know, I've never had that pep talk before. I don't know, you know, but I think that's awesome that you're, that that's important because they, the more they get that energy filled up, the more they'll operate, you know, optimally at work. Which- well, yeah. And the other thing is, I think we have to remember is that, you know, hiring people has changed. Okay. Um, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, maybe even, 15, 10 years ago. If I put an end to paper, there'd be 15 people in the foyer the next day and I could pick from any one of them and, you know, me, boss, you, employee, and (laughs) this is what you do. Well, now it's different. I mean, now you might have three people in that foyer and they're looking at you like, hey, man, I got all kinds of choices out here where I could work. What's in it for me to work for you, right? Now, Right. You have the opportunity to be either a put off by that because you're the boss guy or the boss gal, right? Or you can say, you know what? If I can answer this this young person's question in a way that makes them want to really kick ass for me, I've got something here. So when someone right. when someone comes in with that kind of attitude, like, hey, I'd like to work here, but like, tell me what's what's the program all about. Um, I, I, the first thing I say is, well, let me ask you this. Why are you here? You know what I mean? What, right. why are you here? What, what's in it for you? If, if you do good things here and you know, you got to get past the, well, I need to pay check and I need to pay my bills and I need, you got to get deeper into that. Okay. 
once right. once you're beyond all that, then how do you win? Like, when is it your turn to win? And they look at you like, wow, no one's ever really asked me that before. So to get people to the I love point, that. The, to get people to the point where they walk out of the building going, this these people care more about me than I care about me at this point. <laughs> Right. You know, maybe I should hang out with these guys for a while, which, which is why, knock on wood, we have very low turnover. And um, we get people that have stayed. I mean, I have two, three dozen people that have been here 20, 25, 30, 35 years uh, out of that whole group. Wow. And, um, and it's only because they can win right along with me. And, and again, it's, it's just too tiring to try to be this top down super boss who does everything and, you can't drive your company is that far by yourself. And I think it's awesome. It's awesome to share. And by the way, for, for people out there listening, this doesn't cost you any money. Okay. Because by the time you get these people surrounding you, driving your company further than you did, you're spending money you didn't have before. Okay. You're spending money on them that you never even had. So you're not missing anything. So this right. is a zero sum game for, as far as investment goes. They will they will make their own money and and you won't miss out a beat. In fact, you'll 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 do better in the, in the long run. Right. See, that's what I love about culture is, you know, you go to like you know how powerful it is. I know how powerful it is. But then you go to some of these, you know, you know companies, or whatever, and they they just kind of think you're crazy. And it's like, like you're, it's almost like opportunity, like cost and loss, right? Like you you don't really understand how much you're leaving on the table by not having this culture and not having, and like people get confused about like culture and like everybody gets a trophy and, Oh, when you talk about culture, we can't ever let anybody go. Or like, it's always got to like that. That's not what that means. Like like, obviously you, you know, you coach them up, you coach them out, you get that cancer out of the, you, you know, that, uh, the company and cause you make sure you protect everybody else. But, and so it, it doesn't mean weak. Like I actually went and talked with a company and I all oh, culture means that you're weak. I'm like, no, it doesn't like, you know, culture is definitely more than a ping pong table and some Skittles and some, you know, good drinks in the break room. Yeah. You know, that's, that's part of it. Right. But there's, it's a lot deeper than that, but it doesn't mean you're weak. Like it, it, yeah, I would say that you're strong because you're creating those strong, deep rooted foundational pieces of your company to withstand you know, even like today's market, it's kind of nuts, right? Like, you know, I don't know about your industry, but our industry is is is, yeah. is, is, is kind of going crazy, you know, out of out of control in a bad way. And but we can control, we can control. I can't control the market, but I can control my f- four walls and how we think. Now, have you seen that in in you know, obviously, you know, good economies, bad economies? Have you seen that like kind of prevail and be a be a helping hand when you're going through? you know, bad times? Yeah, because, you know, you have, well, first of all, let's just take the pandemic, for example. Okay. So, you know, you, you run a company, I run a company, we, we think we've seen it all, right? Right. You, you, you yeah. think you've, <laughs> and, I, and I'm sure if you and I sat over a beer, we would have stories that would make each other cry laughing at. There's no questions, right? Oh, for um, sure. Yeah. But then you run into a pandemic and you're like, oh, wow, I've never really gone through this before. How am I going to do that? And I, I can tell you that I'm very proud to say that there were people here who said, you know what? I'm with you. I'm sticking with you through this. If if we all get paid, fine. If we all get kind of paid, fine. Let's just fight our way through it because there's another side to this. It's not going to be here forever. 
and they hung with me through through some times. I mean, the good news for us is we weren't down for very long because we were an essential company because we worked on right. you know sewer lines and plumbing lines and all those kinds of things, which is which was considered essential. I had friends right. in the restaurant business that shut down and lost, you know, all kinds of people. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, that kind of loyalty is something you can't just, you can't just buy. You have to, it, you have to create it with and amongst each other. And, um, right. And you, even, even today, you know, uh, interest rates rise and buying habits change and, you know, people are, instead of buying a new house, maybe they fix up what they had or when times are good, they just, get rid of the old and buy new. So it, it, it changes the mix a lot as far as your, your, your buying, um, public or power, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, it's, right. it's been, it's been great. It's been great to have these people that, that go with you through thick and thin and they'll, you know, walk through walls for you. And, 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 and it's because they control their own destiny and they reward themselves and they do it with, again, within and through your company. And um, that's why when you're sitting on the beach at the end of the year and you're handing out those bonus checks, it's a pretty sweet thing um, to have right. all those folks, you know, right, right surrounding you and saying, hey, man, another great year. Let's go do it again. No, I love that. And generally, like, you know, there's a lot of worries in a company. Um, you know, obviously, the, the you know, my, in my opinion, the biggest asset of a company is the people. Sure. And, you know, that is obviously the biggest expense, but it's also the biggest investment, the biggest reward I, I often feel like. But when you have those, those mind, like the, when you have that mindset of those individuals that we stick through things through thick and thin, we're, we're not trying to prove we, you know, that they have the right answers. We're just trying to find the right answers. We're trying to push through this and we're trying to win. I, I would have to, you know, bet and, you know, go with you, you know, what you, you on that is like that is takes a lot of stress off of you because that's the biggest, you know, like in the pandemic, I'm thinking all these people, like, what am I going to do to them? You know, they, they have families, like, you know, quite often individuals are living paycheck to paycheck and that's just the reality of America. And so I'm looking at them, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I don't know, like, you know, and luckily same thing is we were deemed essential pretty quick and, you know, dealerships, which interesting and, you know, our, our industry kind of took off, but that is your biggest worry, but it almost can be your biggest like non-worry and strength if you have that those individuals, you know, that team that you've created and that loyalty that you've created, that can turn into a a, a big strength, I would imagine. Oh yeah, well I'll, I'll give you two five, I'll t- give you two really clear examples of that. So, um, number one, when my daughter got sick, I had to I had to get her a, a, on planes and fly her all around the country, and I mean I was gone for a, a, I mean. I could work from wherever, but I was gone a lot. And I told him, I said, listen, right. this is my focus. This is where I need to be right now. You guys got to, you guys got to help me do this. And they're like, go, just go do it. Get her healthy, do what you got to do. We'll be here. And so, yeah, I mean, to have, to have that team around you that, that can just continue on. Um, that's, that's a, a really, really huge thing. Yeah. The other thing is right. for me to grow, Sometimes you grow beyond your company, like you open another company or you, you invest in another thing or you, you open up an ancillary company or, or a complementary one or something that is in the same line of business that you have because the more I grow, the more they grow. So right. the more, you know, the less I need to be paid from my core business, the more they can share in what 
I don't need to be paid anymore. So as I grow my income and my revenue from all these other places, it gives me opportunity to share more of that in some of the core companies. And I think that's just a brilliant Mm. thing because now they're saying even, you know, even when times are good and, you know, my daughter's fine and everything else, they're like, what's your next thing? And so they're, they're actually pushing me to go find another project or another company to open or another thing to do because they know that if I'm successful again in that, they can be even more successful here at home than they are now. And um, wow. that, that's, it's kind of like, call, it's, it's almost like a catapult theory where they're, they put you in this catapult and they shoot you off and, you know, right. They, they continue the battle. And um, that's what I think some people miss is, is the fact that, you know, if you are irrelevant to the mechanical day-to-day of your company, it gives you time to sit around and think and vision and look for opportunities that may or may not be in the core business that you have, but in businesses that align well. And then you go after those things and diversify. And, 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 and again, you increase revenue and grow, and then so do they. No, I, I love that. And I actually want to ask you a question. So I'm kind of going through this myself of, you know, I got the company and I got a few other things that I'm, you know, working on a few different projects and things like that. How, how do I, and, but I'm, I mean, I'm still involved in the RV dealerships and I love them. Um, having a blast and doing a bunch of sales stuff with them and, um, you know, having a good time, but I also have other projects and different things. How like, how do you go about like making sure like, Hey, I still care. I'm still here, even though, you know, I might go speak somewhere or go do something that doesn't mean I'm not here and I don't care. Cause not that I've gotten a lot of that, but it's almost like I could feel it coming that people are going to say like, Hey, you're distracted. You don't care. You don't this and that. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I'm on the plane working, you know, and doing this and that. And then I get off and speak and then I'm back on the plane work. Right. So I'm just curious how you've been able to do that through spreading out the different industries and different things. Well, again, everyone here has a, a monthly bonus that they're after with their own individual jobs. Everyone here has a quarterly okay. bonus that they can get that entail that is part of what the company does as a whole, whether they do that particular thing or not. Everybody has okay. a year end program that they can hit a big number at the end of the year based on how the company does. And then we take as many of them as we can to this particular resort or whatever to celebrate the end of the year and start over again. So they know that even if I'm not there, we're all in this thing together to create that year end result. And, um, the more that I can get involved in other things and create more revenue flows, the bigger those numbers are to them, right? Right. And the nicer places that we can afford to go to. I mean, you know, some of these places, you know, I'm not sure some of these people would book these places on their own, but because we're doing it as a group, as a collective, and we've earned the right to do that because we worked hard at it, they get to go to these places and experience these things. So, it, it, it's not like a it's not like a weekly or monthly thing. It's a year long vision that we all have together, and we're all stirring the pot at the same time, trying to make this great soup, right? And right. and at the end, we have this huge feast, and we enjoy it, and then we move on to the next thing. So they actually encourage me to get involved in those other things because it creates it creates a better soup for them, if you will, at the end of the year. Right. Not and. and- Totally makes sense. And I love what you're saying. Another question I have too is, 
um, you know, incentive programs, it's super, super important. You know, you just said that they, you know, they help you run in the right, you know, the right direction. Was there, was there a big jump? I, mean, I don't know if you've always had them, but when you implemented that, like, what did that do for your business? Cause I'm always, you know, we're always trying to figure out how to motivate people and, you know, or, or to like get them running in the same direction and all these different things, which we, you know, I feel like we do a good job at it, but, but I want to get better. And so what's some advice you have there with incentive programs or either it's money or trip or whatever? Well, I would tell you this, when, when everyone's doing their own thing, there's somewhat, you know, horse collared, you know what I mean? They're looking, they're, they're they have the, the, the blinders. Okay. They're doing their own thing. Right. When everyone starts to feel part of a bigger thing and feel like they can contribute to that bigger thing, that's when the gasoline gets poured on the fire. And then when they start to reap the benefits of that, that's when it's like nuclear power plant. So when, when we got that all in sync, and this is several years ago, several cycles ago, our company jumped 40%. Wow. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And that's, that's, a, a, that's a lot. And we were doing big numbers already. So, and, and the, the funny part about this is, and, and you'll love this, Jason, I walked in and I said, well, um, if our, co- our company's doing X, so if I were to say to you that I could do this, this, and this for you, how much of a jump in revenue do you think you could create as a whole? Right. They were 2 million higher than I was. <laughs> wow. They were 2 million higher for the year than I was thinking myself. Wow. And, um, I was shocked by that. And guess what? They went out and did it first year. Boom. So wow. it, it's, it's the power of getting people working for themselves first and for you second, but all working for a collective goal that they all get to share in at the end of the year. And I'll say this I again, you're not spending any money that you currently have. It's not costing you anything because the newfound money is what you're going to share with them. Exactly. And I, and I, and I love that because, you know, a lot of the, you know, business owners get a little technical and this and that and the other with that, but you're right. Like it's, it's on the newfound money. It's on that new revenue. It's on what you generate over and above, or there's different ways you can do it. But I think that's, that's so important. And I'm definitely going to, you know, take some notes on that because I want to implement something like that with our company. And I just want to get people more unified in what we're doing and then also reap the benefits as a whole. Like we've done it mostly as departmental things. Um, or, you know, but I like I like how you're doing it as, you know, a monthly, a quarterly and a year end, you know, maybe you so you said monthly is like individual quarterly is the company and year end is the company. Yeah, there's because there's there's profit. You have to have profit right in order to pay these things. Right. So sure. the quarterly is more based on profit stuff. And then the annual is based on the overall number that we hit, like our, our okay. annual sales or revenue goals. And then the individual ones are just what their individual departments are responsible for. So, okay, yeah, but, but, but do this though, make sure that you ask them, well, what do they think can happen? You know, give them the floor to say, well, this is what I think could happen if we did this, this, and this, because chances are those numbers that they're going to give you are bigger than the ones that you're going to put out yourself. So, right. No, it's so true. There's, I mean, there's a lot of, so I'd ask, you know, another question is, there are a lot of companies out there, you know, with this economy that are losing money. Like I've been dealing, I've been, um, you know, consulting and trying to figure out, you know, what I can do to help. Um, so if there's, you know, a company that is maybe not 
you know, maybe they're breaking even or they're not profitable or, you know, what would you do in that sense for maybe a bonus structure incentive program to get to flip it on the other side? Well, the, the monthly bonuses would remain because those are standard. Those happen, right? Um, right. But the thing you have, the thing you have to, you have to be real with them and you have to say, this is what we're currently doing. And this is where we're currently paying because of what we're currently doing. So if we stay here, then we have to stay here. Okay. Right. But if, if, if we can find a way through a new service or a new idea or a new product or a new sales channel or a new lead source, if we can find a way to grow within that. And I know economies are, I know this, that they say there's recessions and economies are bad, but there are companies that are thriving right now, even though it's, oh, yeah. you know, so the opportunity is there as long as you don't own, oh, we're in a recession or, oh, we're in a downturn or, oh, you know, as long as you don't own that as a, as a, right. as a leader. So you can still put these, these prospective programs together, even in, in downturns, because you're, you're real. You just got to be real and transparent with them. This is where we're at. This is what we can afford to do by, based on where we're at. If we stay here, we stay here. If we go further, then we can go further. So let's let's think outside the box and let's think of all the different things we could do to grow revenue. And then I'll share it with you. It's pretty simple. Uh, I, I love that. that. That's such a good good idea to get people you know playing for this you know, on the same team for the same the yeah. same goals uh, and, and what you're trying to accomplish. Obviously, and you know a lot of us are in business to to make money. And sure. we have responsibility to make money and make sure the company stays there so we can pay our employees, right? Like, you know, that's, it's kind of a, like one of our values as a company is financial success. Whether, you know, you have financial success and the company has financial success, it's, it's important because we, we want to keep people employed and, you know, we, we realize that people count on a paycheck, right? And yeah, so absolutely. that means, that means a lot to us. So Ken, dude, this has been an awesome conversation. Like, I am <laughs> so you. fascinated by you. Um, you know, where can people find you on social and how do people get your book? Well, so you can go at Ken Rusk official and you can find any of the socials that way. Um, I did a cool thing though. I, I was tired of people reading, I don't know if you want to call it entrepreneurial or self-help books and then just putting them on the shelf and then nothing ever happens, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, what'd you get out of that book? Oh, I don't remember, but I read it. It was good. Oh, it was a good book. Well, how did it change your life? Well, it hasn't, but it was a good book. Well, that to me wasn't good enough. So what I did is I built this course. It's literally eight sessions. It's 45 minutes a session. I've seen courses, Jason, for, you know, $1,000, no, this course is 129 bucks. You get a free, you get a free $29 book with it. And if you buy it, you get to donate one to somebody else. Okay, for free. Wow. So what it does is it teaches it teaches you either A, how to teach your employees to do what we just talked about today, or B, as an employee or an individual yourself, it teaches you how to look at your life in a new and different way. And it forces you to take action right now, not next week, next month. Hey, good idea, Ken. Someday I'll do that. Screw that. It's right now. And um, you can go to KenRusk.com. You can get the book there. You can get the course there. And, um, you know, we do work where we give money back to veterans and all kinds. It's just a really cool thing. We, we love giving back. So if somebody, you know, if, if you go out today and you help yourself, just know you get to help somebody else for free. And uh, I love that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. At KenRusk.com. Oh. Pretty cool thing. No, that's amazing. Everybody, like, needs to go 
get that course is unbelievable because, you know, especially if you're an employee, like it's just so much value in this episode. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to listen to it back and share it with my friends and share it with some of my, um, you know, my entrepreneurs. And, you know, I, I love that. The last question I'm going to ask you and I ask everybody on this podcast is what does success mean to you? How do you define success? Well, success to me is freedom. You know, I mean, what, what's the one asset that we all have a very limited amount of? It's time, right? Time. So yep. freedom for me is to be able to go race one of my cars, drive my boat, go play golf, hang out with my, my, my daughter and, and her husband, hang out with my wife, have fun things, create memories that I can put on my little rotating frame. So when I'm making my protein shake every morning, I can look at that frame and go, wow, I've created some awesome memories for myself. You got to have time to do all those things. So for me, it's all about, um, it's all about having time. That is an amazing, amazing definition. And, and I'm, you, and, and the cool thing you know I like about you is you and you seem very very genuine. You sound genuine, and you care a lot about you know people. Care a lot about your family. You value family. There's just like unbelievable human. You may seem awesome. Um, so Ken, thank you so much for for being on the show. This was a fantastic conversation. There's so much value out of this, and we're gonna you know post it on all kinds of socials. And you're, we want to get this out because there's so much value. And so if you like this episode. Please share it. Um, please share it. You know, you know, with someone that that might need to hear what Ken just said. And and also, if you're listening to this right, you know, when you're if you're in your car, park, you know, whatever, go to Ken's website, KenRusk.com, and make sure that you buy that course and buy his book. It, you know, help individuals out. Um, again, Ken, thank you so much for being on the show, and we will see everybody on the next episode of Culture Camp. Thank you. Thank you.